Hello everyone and welcome to literally the worst podcast. Episode 2. Episode 2 where we'll be talking about pen and paper role playing games. Yeah, so this is a favorite topic of mine. Uh, it's sort of my specialty within the culture. Uh, for those of you who don't know what pen and paper role playing games are, it's what you call Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so it was started around uh, in the 70s or the 80s by uh, people who they did their recreations with miniatures and you know like civil war stuff and they wanted to do recreations of Lord of the Rings so they needed a system to simulate Lord of the Rings within civil war miniatures and they started developing the classes and all that stuff and from there it blew up and it became you know loads of pen and paper games like uh, Legends of the Five Rings Warhammer 40k I should say Dark Heresy probably Dungeons and Dragons World of Darkness Exalted uh, so many so many of them um so actually me and Alon play in the same party or group of players, which I started, what was it? A few years back, I don't Yeah, two remember. years ago, but we also have other players I've played with. Yanai, for example, a good friend of ours, I've played with him for maybe 10 years. So Yeah, so we kind of have different perspectives on this one, because yeah. I only play, played, first of all, as a player, and second of all, in Eden's group, which someone sometimes Yanai runs, and Eden's played for like... 13 years. 13 years. I've been on games for 11 years, I think. I actually did it for money at some point, like for children, after after school thing. But I also, I usually um, run games for my friends. I mean, we can't go into how you play pen and paper games because it will take too long. But basically, yeah. everybody has a character uh, except for the storyteller. The storyteller creates the world or the story. And your characters attempt to do things within that story. And whenever there's a challenge, you uh, roll a die. Whether it's a 10-sided die, 20-sided die, whatever. And based on that, uh, on the result of that die, you either succeed or fail. That's the boring part, right? Yeah, because uh, that's usually what you hear about the, when you talk about uh, pen and paper RPGs. RPGs are role-playing games. Uh, and that sounds like, okay, so we sit around with papers and dice and we roll them around. And, and we play with numbers, happens. basically. Yeah, and we play with numbers because now I have 18 charisma yeah. and I need 20 to do this and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, and I've heard some uh, like podcast about interactive role-playing games and I've heard from people who've attempted to play them. And that's, in my opinion, nothing about this is what role-playing games are about but rather uh, collaborative storytelling. Yeah, and I think that the numbers are important because they create like, uh, oh, I'm gonna go fancy here, this is the bullshit philosophy part uh, of this podcast, <laughs> it carries over from yeah. other podcasts. You need an ontological basis, which means that all players have to use the same words and the same phrases to describe things. Because if I mean, let's say I say that someone is strong, right? We both have very different conceptions of what strong is. For me, strong is someone who can lift a car. But for you, strong is just a regular strong person. Yeah. So we need some sort of number for us to be able to imagine the same strong. But it's only a tool. The meat itself of pen and paper games, like you said, is telling a story together and telling a good story. And I think the the numbers and the rules and the me- mechanics of the system mm-hmm. which is to play uh, are essential to that, not only to the shared language, but without the constraints it gives it's too, way too much freedom it's like okay we're writing a story now which i can't do yeah i suck at creative writing 
but once you put in the system and you put in the the guiding like presence of the storyteller which the dungeon master <laughs> uh, but no storyteller uh, and you have the rules then you you know like okay I can't do everything imaginable I can do these ten things yeah and I think that I mean every game with somewhat advanced players departs from the rules very very quickly as far as what can characters do and what can the world do to characters I think that the medium that then becomes like not the medium as in a platform but the medium as in like the medium fluid between them that, that creates the language are tropes and tropes really tell us it's not what someone can do but what is a good story for that character right and, and that defines what they do so I'll elaborate on that if you're playing a fighter guy you, you can't cast fireball right you yeah. can technically you can you can do whatever you want you can say I cast fireball but and if you're a wizard you can't break open a door with your shoulder so the trope and that's a very crude example right so the tropes really veil the basic rules of the game and that's hard sometimes because not everyone is fluent in tropes yeah you need to be so uh, just because I've uh, met like a few people who don't know the term oh so right so tropes are like tropes are like the basic building blocks of stories yeah uh, there's these recurring story elements like the one character I don't know the lone gunman yeah or uh, the coming of age story yeah all of these are uh, collectively called tropes and they're really I agree with, with what you said that they're what creates the story because and you don't have to use them in a specific way like they can be used directly like oh I'm this big dumb fighter guy who breaks open everything and has no other solution but they can also be used as okay so now I'm a wizard who's also very strong but I'm I don't know intelligent I'm a hermit yeah I, I I'm socially awkward yeah in ways like that cripple I think that it's like it's like everything with talks right you can play them straight you can invert them yeah. you can reverse them you can lampshade them like point at them and say hey look at this trope and then do something different with it but I think that what storytelling gives you is that it taps into everybody can role play everybody can play pen and paper games yeah because we all tell stories all the time we tell stories about ourselves we understand our lives as stories we understand tropes in them as things that ought to happen and we tell stories about other people all the time and I think that like we discussed in our previous uh, episode it's like people who are unwilling to read books because it's not for them air quotes right yeah it's for everybody yeah. everyone can, can and can role play I think that the first barrier is shame people are very ashamed to yeah, be imaginative I, right it's really hard you can you can yeah it, better it's, than me. it's really hard when you just start out and, and like okay so another player does this scene and does this and that and then storyteller turns to you and like okay what do you do now and I'm like I, I, I don't know <laughs> whatever, whatever you want yeah like whatever I, helps and I think that once you get over that barrier it carries with you to other parts of your life yeah and that's definitely. the one thing I want to I say about pen and paper games pen and paper games have helped me live a better life they've helped me conceive well because I'm a storyteller it helped me group dynamics leadership understanding other people empathy telling stories together it, it's giving me tools to think about my own life and live my life in a better way and I think that I've seen that in every single player I've met 
you know, because I've mentored a lot of players. Like, I yeah. took them from nothing to, uh, to advanced <laughs> players. Uh, and it's really interesting to see how pen and paper games really tap into this basic place in their life. And once it amplifies it, it allows them to live in different ways. That's, that's the most interesting aspect for me, I think. Yeah, and considering uh, another thing that really lowers, like, the entrance mm-hmm. uh, threshold for this is that the amount of different systems yeah. and, and settings settings both like system is the mechanics of the rules of which die you should roll and when and yeah. what your character can and can't do and the uh, setting is is this a sci-fi space opera or is it like high fantasy high fantasy Tolkien uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings yeah it can be pretty much pretty anything much so you can always find like what what you relate to, yeah. and it can even... Okay, so say you don't read sci-fi or fantasy or any of that, so you can play like a noir story yeah, in definitely. New York in the 40s. Definitely. And uh, I think that tapping into to what you said, it's true that there are a, that one of the barriers is, is the plurality of settings, but also uh, another barrier, which might be even stronger, is the singularity of the high fantasy setting and Dungeons & Dragons, right? Yeah. When you tell people that you play role-playing games, they say... Oh, like Dungeons and Dragons, so you play knights and princesses and wizards and stuff like that. So I want to say something about this. I owe a great debt to Dungeons and Dragons because that's how I started playing role-playing games. And that's also what I taught for money. Like, it literally kept me alive for like two years of my life because I used that to buy food, right? The money that I, that I got from it. But Dungeons and Dragons needs to be retired. Yeah. It needs to move on as the basic system that we play in. It was true in the 90s where it was the only popularized role-playing system and it was also the only one that was easily um, learnable but it's not the case anymore you have so many entry points we are starting a new chapter with a new player tomorrow and we're going to be using the fate system specifically the strands of fate system and fate is an amazing entry-level system we're not going to go into fate here yeah but fate i think is a great system to start with pathfinder which is a better version of dungeons and dragons legends because everybody likes samurais and everybody likes ninjas. It's set in Rokugan, which is not, not Japan, Japan yeah. air quotes. Hell, even Warhammer. Who doesn't want to play like an insane space marine that uh, defends entire planets with his weaponry? So, uh, And the thing that unites all these systems and settings, which are not D&D, is mature content, right? It's yeah, not just but it, I think another, like, judging on based on uh, what I heard in podcasts and yeah. stuff like that, another thing which D&D kind of lacks, and we mentioned briefly uh, at the start, is agency. It's like, with D&D, the sense I get, again, haven't played it, really, since the second grade, (laughs) (laughs) but the sense I get is that, like, the character is mostly decided by dice rolls. Stats. And stats, and then what you can do is mostly, like, limited based on the storyteller and those stats mm-hmm. and you lack a certain amount of in, of agency and it leads to like yeah so uh, the the dungeon master created this awesome fight scene for us last night at the session instead of we all created this awesome fight scene and I did this cool thing yeah D D definitely has I think what you're aiming at here is that there's a, a very a much more clear distinction between game master and players yeah and the divide is very strong the players have no impact on the world they can only change it via their abilities and their abilities are a set amount of abilities 
they don't join in the storytelling act. And that's why it's a dungeon master, right? Because he creates the dungeon and he controls the NPCs within the dungeon. But as you progress towards more indie and weird build systems, the players build the world with the storyteller. And that also means that their characters are not the sum of their abilities. That's yeah. one. And second thing is, again, because D&D is at the end of the day tailored towards children, the main ability that you have in Dungeons & Dragons is what's called munchkinning or power playing, which is taking stats and organizing them for elaborate combos. And that sort of takes the light away from role playing and telling a good story. That's two. And the last thing I'm going to say is that the reason it's, it's also so condensed and role-playing doesn't play such a big role is that it's a fantasy setting. And fantasy is much less uh, malleable. It's much less uh, fluid with its tropes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's all the same, right? The knight, the beautiful knight, you could play the ugly knight, but it's all variations on the same thing. And the, the evil wizard or the evil wi- seems to be evil and then he's good... Yeah, it's you, can, you can subvert fantasy tropes as well, of course, but you're very limited to this one setting. Yeah, definitely. Not, not only this one setting, but also like the bank from which you draw yeah. is very limited. Unlike science fiction, for example, where there are so many types of science fiction. And again, I love fantasy. But when you're role-playing, you kind of want to do different things which are more varied. Which brings me really to the last thing that, that I want to say here, and that's maybe a few tips of... How you should play? How how you should? Play. I'm not gonna tell you what to play, right? We are gonna tell you that you should play. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely. I think at the end maybe of the episode we'll like say, hey, go and play out, play these games yeah. because they're amazing. But I think there are tips to how to play, and I'd be interested to hear you as well on this because you know I come from a very yeah. meta like perspective because I'm a storyteller. I think that the first thing, and this is something that's very very important to remember, and a lot of storytellers don't remember, is that it's a group of friends at the end of the day. You need to have a good dynamic within the party. Don't pick random players. Don't just say, oh, this guy and this guy, I know them. If they're not friends in real life, then it's not really going to work. You can choose people who aren't friends, but the first thing you should do is meet up, have a few drinks, and become more acquainted. So that's like the first thing that I want to say here. Because you came into a party where that wasn't the case, right? Yeah, I only knew you. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's a strict requirement. You should obviously know someone. Yeah, the group have someone you can relate to and like be an talk, anchor. Yeah, and like talk with them after the session, and be like, "Oh, I liked that. I didn't like yeah. that." And but so if if a good dynamic hasn't gone between you and the other players, the party wouldn't survive, right? Yeah, it can't survive on the merit of the game itself. Exactly, you yeah. have to like like each other. Basically, yeah. you don't have to be friends outside of the group. Definitely not. But around the, the table, you should have some fun. Sort of, it's yeah. a game you play with friends. Yeah, that's basically it, and you shouldn't in any situation like take it super seriously unless it's what the whole group wants to do yeah definitely which can be done it can be done I mean I know that other people this is something that maybe needed to be said in the beginning there are completely different approaches to this than our approach there are people who play this pick up games pick up role playing games it's more popular in the states than it is in other places especially in Israel we don't have any sort of culture for that but I don't know. I do think that our approach, that it's a, it's a game you play with friends and you should have fun and it's about uh, some, some things that are bigger than the game, is a good way to have a good game. The second thing that I want to say is about the game itself. You should always strive to create a story where everybody has something to say. You should never... No one needs to be shoehorned into anything. And if someone has a field of interest, whether it's 
a specific field of interest, even if it's if someone really likes physics, play a sci-fi game. But if someone also wants to talk about ethics, play a game about ethics. And if someone wants to talk about religion, play a game about religion. And try to create your game should be like a mix of all the different points of interest in the table. That's very hard to accomplish, but it should be in your... You should strive for it, even if you don't like Yeah, yeah. Even if you can't accomplish it, it should be constantly uh, at, at the forefront. I'm thinking of... I mean, all the other tips I have are very specific, right? Yeah. Like, these are the two main points. So, so my tip, like from a perspective of uh, another invisible air quotes... New, new player yeah. <coughs> I've been playing for a few years but um, is that like with a lot of new things you might try it would probably suck at first yeah and if you play like like we said with a group of friends then that's okay so in the first few sessions you'll be more quiet than the other players yeah. and when it's your turn you'll be embarrassed by being in the spotlight yeah and like panic out and forget how words work <laughs> uh, or maybe that's just me but <laughs> with time you gain confidence and you understand how the game works and how the group works yeah and you grow to tell some pretty amazing stories yeah once you I mean once you get it and it becomes second nature to you a it's super addictive yeah you just can't stop playing and when you don't play it, it, it's not fun you, keep, you, you miss it you really miss it It just becomes an amazing outlet. I think that the last thing that I want to say as a storyteller... No, the last point. I have a lot more things to say, but the last point... is the third time... The third this episode that you said the last thing. Yeah, it's going to happen to me a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a history student, like a history teacher thing. Just one more thing, and yeah. you say five things, and you say one more thing. So, but the last tip is a storyteller that, that I want to give to other players. I can do a whole podcast on other storytellers. Yeah. I'm talking about the players right now. Is that... You should always try and be active. Even if you don't know what you need to do, do something. Interact with something. Even if it doesn't have anything to do with the, with the scene as a storyteller envisions it to other players. Go bug someone. Go talk to a character. Go investigate something. Storytellers are hungry for thoughts. Yeah. They're hungry for questions. If you ask what's in that window, a good storyteller would have an answer for that. So even if it's a firefight, it's like a gunfight, and you have no idea what your character does in a gunfight... I look in the box. There's a box, I look in it. I go outside. I look in the window. I ask someone. I shout. Be active. Never um, fall into your own shell. Right? Yeah. You always act out. Act yeah, outwards. you're never the audience in this. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. There is no audience. Yeah, right? exactly. The audience is not there. You're playing for yourself. So you should never be a spectator. You should always be active in the play. Exactly. Recommendations? Um, yeah, so first of all, before we recommend like specific games or yeah. systems, so uh, if you speak Hebrew, as we do, oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, then there's this podcast called Al-Ktefei uh, Gamadim, On the Shoulders of Dwarves. It's an Israeli podcast. It's running for, I don't know how long. Now. So long, right? So long. Like five, six years at least. Yeah. Uh, and it's about pen and paper, not, not only, but role-playing games. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very noob-friendly and elaborates a whole lot more than we did in 20 minutes yeah obviously uh, about how to start out playing what you should play what systems there are it's very good go ahead and try and listen listen to it I'll even throw in another shout out if you're looking for an example of play check out uh, Critical Role it's from Geek and Sundry that's Felicia Day's Will Wheaton's um, thing conglomerate they're so big now they, they like they exploded last year 
So they have this great semi-podcast and, and it's with drawings and stuff like that. They play D&D, but it's a good example of how a session works and how games work. So it's nice. Check okay, out. you want to recommend systems? Yeah, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to say the name and then I'm going to give a few lines about it so you know uh, what you're dealing with. So and I'm going to sit here and nod. <laughs> you can throw in some, some uh, extra. So uh, he's nodding right now, by the way, just so we just are on the same page. So I'm going to start with, you know, the, the best role-playing game, the best setting, and the best uh, system in my eyes, World of Darkness. Yeah. So World of Darkness was created by White Wolf in the 90s, and its point is that it's set in our world, only darker. So if you live in a place where there's 10% crime, now there's 40% crime. And um, that those crimes are worse. So it's more, you know, rape and robbery and murder and all that stuff, and less just liquor stores and shit like that. Not that that's bad enough uh, and all the supernatural monsters the classic supernatural monsters are here right so vampires werewolves magicians fairies mummies wraiths um, the list goes on there's a lot of supplements terrible nightmare creatures yeah like guys yeah. so, so <laughs> the game has been growing a lot it's been around like the classic games have been around for 20 years there are two iterations wait we're not supposed to say classic world of darkness anymore no we can say world of darkness that's a classic world of darkness and Chronicles? Chron- something of darkness? New World of Darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Those are like the two iterations. They're both great. They have very different feels. Go check it out. Uh, Onyx Path Publishing is the current publisher. White Wolf owns the rights. It's a whole thing. We won't get into that. But those are the two companies. So that's World of Darkness. Pathfinder? Uh, Pathfinder, yeah. Pathfinder is basically a group of players, fans, that said, we love Dungeons and Dragons, but it sucks. And they're right. It does suck. It sucks. <laughs> it's a terrible system. And they fixed it. They, w- they used uh, Dungeons & Dragons 3.5, so the version 3.5, which was the best version. So it wasn't completely terrible, it was just bad. And they boosted it. They created more classes, they fixed um, uh, like classic uh, classes, they added abilities, they added items. And that's your vanilla role-playing game which you should play now. Uh, knights, druids, wizards, magical items, yada, yada, yada. It's a great game. I'm not sure who publishes it today. Maybe they do themselves. Just Google Pathfinder. Um, so that's Pathfinder. Legends of the Five Rings. Legends of the Five Rings, uh, for anybody who loves uh, samurais, ninjas, set in North Japan, like we said, it has flaws. Uh, the system is problematic. It's published by um, Green Ninja Games, I think, or was it Green Ronin Games? I don't remember. It, but it's a really great game as far as feel goes, right? If you want to play yeah. samurai, play that. It puts a lot of constraints on the characters because you have to be honorable and stuff like that. You can't lie, and, but, it, but it's really interesting uh, trope-wise. And lastly, Dark Heresy, which is the role-playing game in, in 40K. If you don't know what 40K is, I'm not going to give you like uh, detail, too many details here. It's a far future space opera where everything's terrible, there's only war, everything's dark. And in Dark Heresy, you play acolytes for the Inquisition. And it's really, really grand scale. You can destroy whole planets and stuff like that. It's amazing. We have. Oh, no, we've destroyed cities. Cities, Not yeah. Planets. No, we didn't get okay. to planets yet. Yeah. <laughs> so we only played one chapter, so we still need to ramp up. There are so many more games out there. Yeah. If you want... By the way, uh, we haven't mentioned that, so just one sentence. Not every role-playing game has to be like a weekly thing yeah, where definitely. you play for a month. There are very good systems. Uh, geared towards one-time session. Yeah, you get it. 
Yeah, single session. You gather a group of friends. You play for like three hours. Hollow Point. Hollow Point is our favorite. Yeah, Dogs in the Vineyard. Um, you can play single session Pathfinder. There's randomly generated characters for that even. There's a lot of stuff you can do as one of them. Just just experiment with it. Just start somewhere. Start with Hollow Point. You know what? Yeah. It's like a sleek spy versus spy thing. Think 100 Bullets, Quentin Tarantino, Ocean's Eleven, Ocean Eleven, Bridge of Spies, uh, all that stuff, yeah. and, and, and it's a great one-off, and then just work your way up from there. That's, that's it. it, yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I uh, mean, I can go on yeah. like three hours when you want. So uh, go check out Al-Ktefeg uh, and you can find us on SoundCloud, on Twitter, on Facebook. This is a thing, right? This is a this podcast exists. It, it looks exists. like it's a thing that exists. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.